Today, we have lots of little scraps of things, so I'm calling this our beautiful quilt episode. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. We're going to make ourselves a little coat of many colors here. Yeah, yeah, like the Dolly song. Like the Dolly song um, about getting <laughs> shoved into a hole and sold into slavery by your brothers. This is a song. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this song. One, <laughs> it's a fucking beautiful song. One of Kyle's favorites. There's this wonderful, wonderful video of her performing it in an Irish pub, like in Ireland. Like she just goes up to the house band or whatever. And like, I don't know, she was very clearly on vacation. They're like, whoa, you're Dolly Parton. Do you mind singing? And she's like, yeah, sure. And, <laughs> and the the guy playing guitar is great and like does great harmonies and stuff. It's a great video if you want to look it up sometime. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. There is a weird line, though, where she talks about how, like, it's okay if you're poor because you feel rich, which is like, okay, this feels like a little bit of, like, glamorizing being poor in a weird way, I guess. But it's fine. It's a very pretty song. Yeah, and that's, in a way, it's, it's maybe a misinterpretation of the, of the Bible's lines of, you know, who's really rich, who's really poor sort of thing. If easier for a rich man to go through, you know, a camel to pass the eye of a needle than a rich man to get in heaven of, like, who's spiritually getting what they, you know, who's got their rewards on earth and who's going to get their rewards and, you know, really living and being and being a human person, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, the premise of the song is, like, she's very poor and her mom makes her coat out of scraps and she's very proud of it and thinks it's pretty and the kids oh. make fun of her. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it's very cute and yeah. it's a very pretty song. Anyway, here's our little scrap episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't make fun of us for it. Yeah, yeah, come on, that's rude. Well, it's a typical shooting the shit, so if you came for a coherent <laughs> argument, straight through, well-researched, that's next week. Listen, my first topic is just how much you shouldn't trust me and my brain. <laughs> okay. I realized the other day I have three men that I mix up in my head. Would you like to know who? I'm going to be shocked and appalled. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and predict. But yeah, I would I would like to know who. Okay. Starting with director Oliver Stone. Okay. And then Oliver North. <laughs> and then to top it all off, Roger Stone. Those three men, I I mix up their first and last names and their professions constantly. Oliver Stone just got done <laughs> dirty. Like he's not perfect he didn't by belong means, in this group he hates both of those guys <laughs> yeah yeah poor guy he really got he fell in with a bad crowd just due to his name devoted i think because he did a vietnam war thing and he's he's just very he's he's left Whoa, like hates um oliver north obviously like i don't know if he ever actually ever put anything together on reagan and like iran contra and everything if so, I'd totally watch it. Yeah, he probably did something on it. In he, so he hasn't done it on like a film, but he probably did something on it when he did the Untold History of the U.S. like series. You know, I keep seeing those come up as as recommendations, I think, on, on some streaming service. But because I keep forgetting who it is, I'm like, is this, a, is this Roger Stone, who's a bad guy? Or is <laughs> <Sal> Oliver Stone? <laughs> Admittedly, like, there is a documentary, something like Who Called Roger Stone or something to that mm, effect. That's the one. Yes, yes. It's actually pretty good. Like, it I was, watched it, and that's why I know who this man is. Yeah, that was entertaining. I mean, he's bad, but... Um, that's who you're listening to today, is someone who doesn't know who people are. Constantly mixing up white men. Yeah, those are big differences. I don't think... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think Roger Stone ever did any sort of military. At least Deal? sticking with it. Yeah, I don't even know if he was ever in the military, but <laughs> if he was, he wasn't in there for long compared to like. Oliver North was like career military. He was the one that was like sneakily doing a ran contra and took the fall for it whenever everyone who literally knew about it was just like, huh, what? Uh, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I don't recall that ever <laughs> happening. I mean, listen. I'm not mixing up the presidents of Mexico and Egypt, am I? <laughs> yeah. So what all gaffes? Um, that's what we used to call it. Okay. So that's not actually fair to call it a gaffe because we used to call gaffes like, mm-hmm. you know, like when you Obama would say, oh, well, I've been to 57 states and you're like, okay, the, the man went to, and he's, he's <laughs> this old and he went to Harvard. Like he knows, he knows how many he, states he knows- there are. <laughs> he's just tired. Because we put people through weird campaign things or, you know, various Bushisms of like, he doesn't know the English language. That's not required to be a president. <laughs> oh, truly, it's not. Uh, you know, so he says nuclear. That's fine. This is a little more than a gaffe of probably he literally was having a flashback. What what has he been doing lately? Or Commandante Biden. We got to, you know, we got to clear up the way because, I mean, this guy is like firmly in our camp. He's like <laughs> the vanguard party. <laughs> Of the American, you know, the future American Communist Party, right? Oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, Andy's going to officiate T Swift's wedding with to Travis Kelsey, so we have to. Hasn't we have to stand. Been declared. I, I thought <laughs> I was let down. I was expecting it. We were waiting for it. Yeah, we we kept watching oh. past when we would have turned this game off to see it happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. Instead, we got Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, that was lame. That was. I saw a good tweet today that was like, Taylor Swift realizing her children will have an IQ of 40. (laughs) I kept seeing TikToks that were like, she's trying to hide like her ick moment or something. (laughs) They're just like, oh gosh, this is the man, huh? Yeah, is this your man? (laughs) Uh, So I have from, let's see, last Thursday, I think, I'd have to check the dates in my photos because I just screenshot things. He, on Thursday, mistakenly referred to Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi as the leader of Mexico. (laughs) The fucking icing on the cake here is this was in a speech where he was defending his memory. Oops. Yeah, that's really, like, come on, man. You got to have some, like, notes or something to go off of for that. So that's after the special counsel guy came out and said, let's Mm -hmm. not press charges. He is an old man who cannot remember things. Yes, the comment came as, this is according to The Guardian, the comment came as he was making remarks on a special counsel report concerning his handling of classified documents and that referred to his memory as, quote, poor, which he denied in an angry rebuttal. So, yeah. So my memory is not poor? Fuck. I mean, like, ask <laughs> President ask my Al-Sisi good of Mexico. I mean, That's he's going for the president of Mexico, this Egyptian yeah. man. He's running, you know, a, a, a Muslim majority country. He's got huge problems with immigration coming into our country. Because it's, you know, it's directly south of us. They've and, got great you know, pyramids. They, they've he got, could say that. They both have pyramids. They've got great pyramids. <laughs> that one applies to both. His, his advisor uh, was just like, remember the pyramids, remember the pyramids. And his brain was just like, Egypt. Egypt, got that's it. it. <laughs> got it in one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're laughing because it's disturbing, not because like dementia is funny. Obviously. Dementia is not funny, but electing... But being cajoled into electing someone with dementia 
being bullied into doing that. <laughs> in, in a pretty powerful way, there's a lot of countries that have like presidents that are figureheads, like much in the way of constitutional monarchies. I mean, our president is pretty powerful. It's not all powerful, but pretty powerful. I'm wondering, though, like, I'm wondering if this is a shift to try to get it to be more of a figurehead position, because, like, you have to know, like, how this looks. You have to know, like, they're, they're, <laughs> you know, like, I can see the argument already forming in a liberal's mouth of their pursed little lips coming up to me and be like, actually, the president can't do everything because, yeah. blah, blah, blah. you know, a Democratic president yeah. can never do anything, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And, and, and I think that. The liberal project would love to see a walk back of what we call the imperial presidency, right? Of the president having so much power. There are a few big problems. One is that they're opposing party and there's not really an alternative in in the near future. The opposing party has no problem with an imperial presidency if they're in charge. So they, they don't have a they don't have an ideological objection to one. To the president should be as big as he can be you know the office should be as big as a man you know if it's allowed like right so so they're gonna go along with like when trump was in they weren't like oh let's stand in his uh, no they were no one was trying to block him they don't have an ideological commitment about that at all and b have we have we been looking at congress lately like congress <laughs> they are just as old congress can barely and it still remains to be seen if they can Allied together to throw heaps of money at a foreign country to, like, bolster our own arms sales towards that country. Jesus. Like, this is one of the fundamental things that America does. We are an arms dealer, right? Mm -hmm. Krugman liked to call us an insurance company with an army. <laughs> We're kind of, we, like, that's now our side gig. It's, it's an important side gig. But, like, we supplement that income heavily. And it's probably split 50-50 now with arms dealer. We're like yeah, we just do that an now. arms dealer with an army. And that we can barely, and it's still pretty questionable as to, like, as of release time, if we're actually going to do that or not. The aid package? Yeah, to Ukraine yeah. is the specific thing. Is like, you have this, oh. like, split-off group of Senate Republicans that are like, oh, we're going to go with it instead of rejecting it. There were, the Republicans were previously like, no, we're not going to do that shit anymore. We're not going to send any more to Ukraine. But that's, I mean, like, that's Congress, though. Like, Congress is so divided that, like, they can't do anything. Yeah. To reign in an imperial presidency, you have to, you have, to have a fairly strong Congress to do that. Like, because what else is going to happen? You know, what what's going to, what, what is your country going to do? So I don't foresee that happening at all. I feel like any, uh, that's fine as long as like things aren't directly impacting Americans um, in terms of emergency situations. But as soon as that happens, like the president absorbs all of that and just gets whatever powers that, you know, people want them to do. And so that's going to devolve onto whatever, whatever fucking crazy, uh, you know, and this is also another probably mental health thing, but still narcissistic uh, asshole or dementia guy that you put in there. In place. Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, both of the people that were <laughs> those are our up, options right now. I, I don't know. I don't want to be like no narcissistic or whatever person can ever. No neurodivergent person can ever be present. But like, <laughs> That's not what we're saying. In these but particular cases, I don't know if these particular you know instances of uh, extreme neurodivergence should 
should get you there. Yeah, I it, I, sure, I certainly don't think this should be legally disqualified, but I just don't know if it's wise to vote for uh, Yeah, not these jokers. Well, I mean, like, I was listening to a, a radio show the other day that was talking about, I think it was NPR again, but I think they are talking about how traditional leadership qualities skew towards narcissism and, and traditionally what is considered masculine traits, obviously. And so what you end up having is is these leaders who are, you know, fucking narcissists. But if you actually look at the data, like people who perform better as leaders don't have those qualities and are like much more humble and much more like a team player, like things that are, uh, and, you know, things that are considered more feminine qualities. I mean, obviously, gender binary, eh, sus. But <laughs> um, the point was like, we keep elevating like fucking crazies because they're the loudest voice in the room. That's interesting because I remember it was either in 2016 or 2021. One of those, they were. Those are very different times. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're both Trump running though, right? 2016 Mm -hmm. or 2020. People were breaking down uh, linguists or somebody was breaking down and saying like that. They're making the claim that Trump was more feminine coded. Oh. In his speech, because he was frequently saying unsure things like mm. people are saying and, you know, like how he does like try to kind of couch things in like, you know, I don't know for sure, but this or, you know, like he, he kind of introduces uncertainty or whatever. And they were characterizing that as feminine coded. So that's interesting that he's both, you know, this super overconfident, inflated kind of person and also like has these uh, subconsciously consensus building things. He's like a throwback. He's a, he's a throwback to, he's like throwback version of Gen Z and, and alphas who always are like, right, right for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also saying like, Oh, I saw this on X, Y, Z. Like we start everything with, I saw this here. Here's, I want to tell you about this thing I saw, mm. which really I think speaks to his audience who is like constantly online. Yeah. I was seeing on whatever that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird time. Probably uh, your best bet is not to lend legitimacy to the process by voting for either one. No, yeah. I'm not. I don't think I'm doing it this time, guys. I just got to stay home. I'm probably, because I like to be a nerd, I'm probably going to show up, but I'm going to vote for like Cornell West or whoever. I don't even know who's going to be on the ballot by that point. Honestly, yeah, because there's all that court cases and shit going on. Yeah, because there's Green Party, you know, and... Depending on if they've got a communist enough guy or whatever. You know, I'll figure out whoever's the wildest vote. Probably. Sure. Why the fuck not? But then if I run out of time to go vote, I won't vote. It's fine. No, I'm not going to make a priority. If I'm busy that day, pff, not going to fucking happen. Oh, wasn't Congress meeting yesterday to like, this? was this about Ukraine or was that, I thought that was Israel, about an, another aid package. Well, the headline was about Ukraine. I don't know if they ended up doing Israel stuff too. Let's see. A bipartisan coalition of senators was on track Monday to push off $95 billion, which no one... No one needs that. Please. That's fine. I'd rather not. Like, what would you... Listeners, what would you even do with $95 billion? <laughs> you don't need that. that. Right? You'd waste it on drugs, right? Exactly. Immediately. <laughs> uh, Mr. Trump and his right-wing allies have been pressuring Senate Republicans relentlessly to abandon the legislation, which would direct $60.1 billion toward helping Ukraine fight off a Russian invasion. Four, oh, $14.1 billion toward Israel's war there against Hamas. And almost $10 billion toward humanitarian aid for civilians in conflict zones, including Palestinians in Gaza. 
Okay, that, wait. <laughs> what is that? Net, that nets four billion to Israel. Like it's like okay, we're going to do ten billion to each side there, including the organization that Israel is trying to like defund and uh, uh, the UN Rights Watch Agency and everything. They're trying to cut them off completely. Yeah, they're getting like shut or not shut down. I guess uh, sanctioned Defunded, or yeah. Okay, yeah, they're getting like slapped in the wrist by like every country. It's like, let's get rid of this thing that's helping Palestinians, right? Because they're like, oh, well, you employ people who are you know involved with their relatives are involved in Hamas, and it's like, a, this could happen, and they fired people, and the person in charge of that had been like, yeah, no, we have fired people, we have not been able to investigate, we have fired them without cause to try to get you guys to stop. Like we're just like, okay, you know we can't be above reproach sort of thing. Please don't cut us up because like what, because please don't cut us off. Like we're trying to save humans. We're trying to save people in this, you know, war ravaged place in this place where you're bombing, you know, the, the, the world's like humanities third oldest church. And not, I mean, like, to, you know, to put it to, you know, not to, not for your ears, listeners, you're not, you know, bigoted like this but like to put it to christian ears you know the third you know, like oldest christian church the mm-hmm. church that matters in your you know in, in, in the american <laughs> political valence like wow like that you would just be like okay that's that's fine like and these you know and this group is like no we're willing to like just throw people out of work employment everything like just toss them the curb to to try to keep surviving and keep helping you know we want fewer kids to come out of the to come out of this with like no family. You keep seeing people devastated completely, like nothing left, no home, no people that they used to know. Anything. Like it's just gone. And that's what I mean, yeah, like you would say, Okay, you can't keep working for our nonprofit anymore. This is this sucks, but I hope I save lives with this. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it really feels like a a conscious effort to sneak in atrocities while the American public is distracted. And that's what happened yesterday, too. Like, they fucking bombed the shit out of Rafa, annihilated them. The place they told everyone to go, they said, okay, you are allowed to stay here, and then immediately start bombing them. And they did that on the day of the Super Bowl when we were all fucking busy. Yeah, and the headlines at that point was were that... You know, oh, Biden is urging Netanyahu to show restraint and not bomb them, not bomb Rafa and everything. It's like, who, like, who are you talking to? Like, what are you doing? That's embarrassing. Is this not embarrassing to just keep going out there, showing your whole ass and being like, oh, please don't do X. And then the next day it's does X. X. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when has this man ever shown restraint? Like he, he is... What he says, like, we're just a few weeks away from like total victory or something like that. Like, this guy, he's he has a goal and he's gonna fucking do it at this point, unless like someone steps in and does something, not just pleads with him, hey, maybe, maybe don't do genocide. Like, that's not an option for him at this point. And hopefully, they were smart enough to, to plan something along these lines. I shouldn't say smart enough, I believe they were smart enough, I think. I hope I hope that they had enough resources to devote to this avenue, but this would be kind of the masterstroke. 
I can finally graduate to maybe seeing some unmarked stuff if I am right and they do this. Uh, <laughs> it's ungrounded. I have not had any contact with with these people because mm-hmm. I'm not that cool. But um, it would be like the, the real stroke of genius would have been to launch right the initial attacks and say, we're going to fucking kick this shit off. We're going to make these guys stop trying to slow kill, throw strangulate us in this open air prison. We're going to make, we're going to make things happen, force a conflict. They do that. And they then immediately start throwing everything into building up their own Tet offensive. So here's what happens. Israel gradually starts wearing down their territory and they do offer resistance. And I mean, they'd probably done better than they expected given that the Israelis are all apparently hanging out in their tanks watching Hulu uh, <laughs> and just getting blown up on TikTok, you know. They're all doing that, getting worn down or whatever, but constantly their government's out there saying, we're about to win, we're about to win, we're about to win. And then you pop out and you devastate, like, way more than anyone thought. If you can do that, you repeat the Tet Offensive. I mean, you repeat the credibility gap. You repeat the whole like loss of confidence in the uh, among the Israeli people among the American people this whole like holy shit you guys told us we were about to win this does not look like we're about to win we just got our asses kicked even if you're completely expent by that you know uh, you know you're completely washed out by that point still you're disrupting that narrative of well it's almost done we might as well let them finish off here yeah it's that's the way to look at the Tet Offensive is a political victory of forcing the other side to contend with how long this war may be. Do you have the resolve? And I think both Israel and the United States are kind of like chilling like this is going to be over in a matter of months. Oh, why else do we just kind of keep relentlessly pushing despite literally the rest of the world condemning you? Yeah, yeah. I think that is the strategy at this point is just to wait it out. So I'm I'm hoping that something, I don't know what the fuck it has to be at this point, because it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like it just got accepted. That's the sad thing is it may end up being that they just get put back under another oppressive yoke and then we have to start operating on that ground going forward. Oof. All right, y'all. Well... I don't know. Stay fucking angry about it. Don't don't forget about this. Don't let this feel normal. And and remember, this is the government that is trying to be your government. This is a government that is trying to claim legitimacy. So like fuck them. That's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's annoying to be like a youth, you know, to be a kid. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know, control. And yeah, and and all the adults are doing shit for you. I mean, well, that's just the way it is. You got to do the thing, you know, and it's just that's life. That's the world. Get used to it. Maybe you can change things when you're older, but you're just some chump ass kid. You can't do anything about it. All right. To some extent, that's true. And, you know, to some extent, that sucks because you can't change things. But to some extent, it absolves you because you can't change things. What they want you to do is once you're once you cross that threshold is to sign on. To, quote, grow up. What they want to do, though, is bring you down to the gutter with them. They want you to sign off on what they're doing. Say, hey, like, you know, 
a little bit of imperialism, a little bit of kicking in the faces of brown people around the world is justified if it helps meager advance A, B, or C that we're going to see. And we should add like the shadow of a promise of meager advance A, B, or C, like <laughs> lip service toward whatever. They want you to sell out and say, go ahead and do American empire in my name in exchange for a vague promise that you're probably not going to fulfill to do social democratic reform A, B, or C. I mean, I don't even think we get those anymore. Like, I, I don't see a trade-off, I think, at this point. Like, I think we're starting to really see people make the connection of, hold up, we don't get literally anything. There's no funding going towards anything. Like, just, again, aqueducts, ducks are falling apart or whatever, you know, fall of empire shit. And you're just using all the money on war. You know, like, okay, we're not we're not doing healthcare. We're not doing, um, you know, any financial means to make life easier you know there are literal literal articles coming out saying maybe you should skip breakfast like that kind of shit (laughs) is happening you know Mm -hmm. like fucking new york times is trying to tell people like maybe just eat less food and that's how you save money like (laughs) so and but we're not getting we're not even getting the symbolic shit anymore and that's and if you do it's a state-by-state basis and it is truly just the most shallow kind of like hey here you're in a movie now or you know like it's like it's meaningless it is absolutely meaningless like i I think representation can you know is important but like not if you don't have like basic things taken care of who are you representing you're representing the rich people of that group probably But yeah it's it's like a parody (laughs) it would be like if all the movies were like the hunger games and then you would like do diversity with like the people in the capital Right. So I'd be like, oh, look, I mean, there was an Asian person in the Capitol or something. Oh, (laughs) there there was a guy in a wheelchair in the Capitol. Okay. Yeah. But that was still, you depicted me as one of the rich assholes (laughs) separated from society that I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. What it ends up being is you're only showing rich and successful people from those groups. Like we don't talk about how like trans people are way more likely to be homeless or to have trouble getting a job or to get assaulted or commit suicide. There's so many factors in in trans people and people of color. Like those aren't the stories we're hearing. We're hearing about like, you know, queer eye where it's just like, it's fun. Right. (laughs) You know, like, whoa, it's a party. Like look at these rich people helping people make better lives. Yeah. Or even to go down a tier, I would say to influencer or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, how likely is that how widespread is that how indicative of that is to broad segments of society having more you know opportunities or more real economic security i would say not not at all and i think that's what is frustrating about like online spaces i'm I don't know. I literally, I think my therapist just told me to get off Twitter the other day. Like she was just like, I don't think you're giving these people too much power. And I was like, I think you're right. (laughs) Because there's just, there's so much nasty, nasty discourse in the queer community, especially about like who's allowed to use what labels and what labels are problematic and all this shit. And I'm just like, motherfuckers, calm the fuck down. Like your label can be important to you. You don't get to like determine what other people call themselves like unless they're saying i identify as a nazi you can 
take that's a problem for sure like yeah get rid of those guys <laughs> you know like whatever like I now just, it is my duty to educate you yeah like that person sure take it up with that person and like literal like people who are you know assaulting people or minors like yeah fucking take it up with those guys mm-hmm. but like everybody else i don't fucking care if you're you know a he him lesbian like whatever you want to be that's fucking fine but we don't need to come out here saying actually trans masks have it harder because xyz and actually no you know trans women have it harder because of blah 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 i'm like the with the bad guy is the same <laughs> yeah like i'm you know your individual circumstances are going to vary we don't have to play who has it hardest we know who the bad guy is so why don't we go get him instead of saying look how difficult my personal struggle is like i feel bad about it for sure no, and I can empathize yeah. with that, and you deserve to have connection and people talking to you about it, but we don't have to, like, put other people's struggles down for it, if that yeah. makes sense. No, we don't have to get out the first claw on that. Like, we we talk about it. Like, this, this, this can be very fruitful campfire discussion, but those campfires are in the camps of war, in, in the class warfare. Like, we, we need to be... United our goal of taking down the assholes that have put us in this precarious situation and where we're like worrying about this because it is it feels to us like an existential threat of like if I'm not the most oppressed or if I am the most oppressed then something's going to come down on me and ruin my life like that's that's where we're all living is we're all living on like are we going to be the most marginalized are we going to be the most hated person in society are we going to get like targeted by various state laws and everything else like we don't want to be in and that's what you know we're, we're having these like feuds of what groups are in out everything else because we're trying to like we're trying to protect ourselves we're fucking scared yeah and and, and that's what we've got to protect against. So we've got to say, actually, no, we're not going to let you assholes do this to us. We're going to, you know, unalive you guys and <laughs> take power. Yeah. Like, or, yeah. Or, like it, at it least just, unalive your movement, you know? Yeah. Like it, it is increasingly, I think, between just how fucking much of our lives are spent online with this push into AR with like the fucking Apple Vision Pro and stuff with the way just culture is going in general, I truly think we are heading for a situation where it's just like, look at the pretty picture, just live your lives, your interior lives here. Don't pay attention to the material conditions, you know? Yeah. I I do wonder to what extent that's going to play out. I feel like there was a lot of talk about this, at least in the podcast I was listening to, which to give you guys inside baseball on, my influences or my, my chief influences, I've narrowed them down a lot, but um, at least in this vein of like, is the world just getting worse and dystopian in a technological sense? One of them is trash future. Mm, um, yeah. It's a British kind of techno socialist communist podcast. And, but there was similar worry in their vein and, and kind of online and stuff when we when they came out with meta and the metaverse and the like legless bodies that we would be in of like are they just trying to like funnel us into this place that we would just be legless bodies hanging out and like paying for shit virtually and just being in a shittily like in a Nintendo Wii graphics era <laughs> like place like is that where we're doomed to you know doomed to end up i mean that's what it feels like right now of it feels like there's so much effort into creating 
creating obviously new ways to monetize things. We've talked about that many, many times. And because they've monetized the fuck out of our (laughs) real human flesh and blood lives, they're like, well, let's make a whole, whole new world for them to hang out in and monetize that, which they've already done. That's the internet. Everything is just like, it's impossible to Google shit anymore and have like reliable answers. Like you have to like be really good at Google now, or you're just going to get AI or just sponsored results. Like it's just trash. Same thing with Instagram. You just have to be like old, but not too old. Like it truly, I think we're the only generation that knows how to use the internet anymore. Cause like we, <laughs> we can seriously Google a, with like an initial skill of like putting something in of keywords, but not like a stupid question. Even if it is a question, it's like vague enough to be, I don't know. And then you can like, you know, the like sufficient scroll distance to get past sponsored, to get past map results and shit. You know, there's just like all sorts of obstacles. So many. And th- But then you like easily zero in once you're past that, you know, like, oh, it looks like this, you know, and, and you like are deranged enough to click on it and read about it. Like that's <laughs> another deficiency of our era compared to our younger ones that just like take whatever google has highlighted from the google yes and that's their yes answer. the very top thing which again pay to play and or ai <laughs> so i mean like duolingo is switching to a heavily ai uh created system uh which is like hey languages are actually really complex so you can't like super do that so <laughs> fuck you you know Anyway, that was just kind of a end of times rant. You're not the only one that has end of time feelings. I don't know, end of time or end of America, but uh, this one came from a surprising source. My ex flame, <laughs> Paul Krugman. Paul Krugman. He had an article, an opinion article in the New York Times titled, Why I Am Now Deeply Worried for America. Just now. What has he been doing for the past, like, <laughs> being generous four years? Where has he been? Uh, no, he's, he says, until a few days ago. Oh, my God. I was feeling fairly sanguine about America's prospects. Just <laughs> a few days ago, he was like, it's fine. I want whatever medications he is on. Like, what cocktail? His prescription just ran out. And <laughs> <laughs> like, how, who is his weed guy? Like, I need all the information on this man and his daily habits to make it him so chill. I don't, I don't right. understand. What do you think threw him over the edge a few days ago? A few days ago. Okay, so a few this days ago. written today. This is published <laughs> February 12th, oh recording time. A Fuck. few days ago... From today, what do you think threw him okay, what happened? into existential despair about the American empire? Which he probably doesn't say empire in his He article. probably doesn't call it that. Uh, I don't know. Is this some election stuff? It is, vaguely speaking. It's, it wasn't directly election stuff, but it gets. It was a big election deal. Um, oh, was it about like whether or not people can appear on certain ballots? or No, no. nothing Trump-wise. Okay, Supreme Court stuff. Oh, they got the Supreme Court. Okay, I don't know. Just tell me. <coughs> I'm I'm not in the normie mindset enough to even guess. I guess. But watching the frenzy over President Biden's age, <gasps> I am for the first time profoundly concerned about the nation's future. Wait, wait, wait. In what way is he concerned? Is he saying these people are caring too much about his age? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, now, oh it seems entirely God. possible that within the next year, 
American democracy could be irretrievably altered. <laughs> this is the moment. It was not any time earlier. Wow. No. Because, like, uh, I mean, like, it's so inconsistent because he does, you know, he's like, oh, uh, what may turn this menace into catastrophe is the way the hand wringing over Biden's age has overshadowed the real stakes of the 2024 election. Oh, my God. And, you know, he's saying, like, Trump would, you know, come in and ruin everything. But it's like, by your own argument, Trump's already been in office. Why is he a fundamental? Yeah. Well, what? <laughs> what's going to do this time? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, that's that's apparently the big thing is, oh, people are worried that Biden is old. So that's our country is falling apart. <laughs> According I, to him. Oh, my God. What even? What a life. He must be really rich. I mean, he probably is. To be so un unworried, moisturized, thriving in his lane. Oh, well. Oh, it is also true that many voters think the president's age is an issue. But there's perception. And there's reality. As anyone who has recently spent time with Biden, and I have, can tell you, <laughs> oh, he is in full of possession brag. of his faculties, completely lucid, and with excellent grasp of detail. Of course, most voters don't get to see him up close, and it's on Biden's team to address that. He's just like, I'm too cool. I'm <laughs> oh cool God. enough to see him, and he's he seems great. He also, by the way, has a sense of humor, which I think is important. My man is like, America is about to collapse. But this funny old guy, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just a subtle show off of like, I'm doing great. I'm hanging out with the president. And also he's doing great. We're both great together. But you guys are clearly troubled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why can't you see that we are so good? Oh, my gosh. That, the, that, that America is doing great, except for people worrying about old. Mm. Stop it. Um, let's see what I've got in my little, my little bag of scraps. Mmm, that's some, <laughs> this was just a small one. That's why it's a scrap. Martha Stewart, who I apparently follow on Instagram from her magazine, the headline, Sculleries are making a comeback. Here's why you should consider adding one to your home. What's a scullery? So I think of like scullery maids, right? Like an old timey, you know extra basically what it you know in an old house it was an addition to the kitchen okay historically served as a utility space for washing and cleaning kitchen items it's like a laundry room for your kitchen yeah it's it's usually has like a more practical sink obviously they were more back of the kitchen kinds of things uh and obviously found in wealthier homes and estates and manors like these are things that are only for fucking downton abbey people what yeah it makes <laughs> sense okay so she's saying like oh it's great to like keep your kitchen organized and blah 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 blah. but i just i just feels like it feels like a really tone deaf headline of like you know what we all have is the ability to like add more rooms onto our house very easily and also to bring back something that like smacks of like having servants like let's just do that yeah <laughs> it's like you might as well say just hire a butler yeah i <laughs> guess if butlers. you're out in Appalachia or something you can be like oh go wash that shit down by the creek or something <laughs> you're like what the hell are you supposed to do <laughs> no place in your house oh yeah yeah it, it basically is just an additional sink area it looks like it counter space for prep this is just a tiny kitchen to add on to your kitchen okay so uh, we're going to play, you know, a little game of 
good idea, bad idea, but like the version is bourgeois or not bourgeois. And so bourgeois is doing a bathroom renovation. We recently did a bathroom yeah. renovation. Yeah, bourgeois. that's fine. Not bourgeois is like the appall sort of that I felt at like looking up. So I was like, you know, what are good like looks or like things that what do what, not so much looks, but like things that people like or like that are good to put in your shower versus not sort of ideas mm. of like this looks cool. It sucks though. Don't do it. You know, those, okay, these sorts okay. of things. And it was just like the extent to which people could spend ludicrous amounts of money on various things, which is <laughs> like, holy shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And I can only, I mean, a, ki- a full kitchen or a model would be along the same veins. I imagine of like, there's a way to just do like a, I want to fix some stuff in my kitchen remodel. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to be like, Oh my God. Like, cause you see like to, to you and I, I think that, which may not be the same to all listeners or whatever is, is like a built in fridge is like the next step of like, Whoa. Yeah. So rich people kitchens, you have to open every single thing because everything looks the same. So it's, it's like truly like, where's the trash can? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it took me so long to learn my mother-in-law's kitchen i was like everything like where is your fridge where is your freezer you have two of them and they look identical yeah <laughs> that's like a uh, step up of like whoa well i mean i think what's interesting uh, having been among some rich people uh due to my circumstances i feel like there's like what the internet thinks is nice and then there's a secret level above that where like all the Ooh. rich people have like guys they go to, you know, like they hire somebody to do all this shit for them. Uh-huh. So they have like a designer or whatever and they all know each other. And so they can all use like similar guys or, you know, people of the same level. So there's like what I would consider nice. And then there's like a secret, like two a million levels above that, you know? <laughs> all right. Give an example of like your trashy idea of nice versus the actual cool ass version of being nice i would say i would say furniture for me was a big change like i am perfectly content to i'm a level above ikea now not to brag oh <laughs> not to brag listeners them. <laughs> too nice but i i now i'm like well i'm going to keep it and so i don't want it to break etc etc et so i go you know I think when we first moved in, I was looking at couches and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at couches and I pull up what I think are some nice options or things like patio furniture. I think I, we did something similar. We're like, okay, we're going to look at options. And then my mother-in-law steps in and it's like, I'm just going to buy you a couch. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and like, she's like, oh, and uh, what color do you want it? And like, what fabric, like go to this store to like pick out the fabric. And I went to this store and I went with a friend and we were both like trashy little queers and they, did not think we were supposed to be there. They did not offer us any assistance. They were like, <laughs> definitely like, what are you doing here kind of vibes? Uh, and like, did not help me when I asked them. I was like, hey, like my mother-in-law ordered this couch for me and I'm supposed to come in here and pick a fabric. And they were extremely unhelpful. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like just trying to get me out of there. And man. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, I get it. I don't look like I belong here. But yeah, so like there's nice and then there's like, I'm going to send you to the design district of Dallas to pick out your fucking custom fabric nice. You know what I mean? Like where I'm like, I'm just going to like look online and pick the one that doesn't look bad from like, I don't know, West Elm if I'm feeling very splurgy. Yeah, wow. That's, 
that's like you're feeling in a weird movie sort of vibe of like it's very strange happening (laughs) it's very weird just like interacting with with rich people in rich spaces when you don't appear one a traditionally like feminine and thin and white like all those things are just like i'm not supposed to be here (laughs) yeah I'm basically a passing, but like I feel like I always feel I'm passing than white I am as well. When I'm there, though. Like when, when you're in like a super non-white space, I always just all of a sudden feel Mexican. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I look, I look very white, but like I'm just still so hyper aware of like I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, well, at the very least, yeah, I don't have the social graces, the ease of a golf course introduction sort of thing, you know. Uh, what else we got? What else? Well, if you're worried about your job and your performance reviews. Mm, just I just had those. If you're worried about yours coming up, listeners, you should be. Okay. Are we going to fire even more people? Well, according to the Wall Street Journals, they say performance reviews will bite this year. Be ready. What is that? So what is... Okay. First off, what do they mean? And then we're going to talk about what are they trying to do? Bosses are delivering tougher criticisms as companies squeeze more productivity from workers. <laughs> it pays to have a clear-eyed response plan. I love the next line, though, is the first line of the actual article proper. Chances are your boss will give you some brutal feedback this year. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, my God. Fuck off. <laughs> Be grateful your boss is such an asshole. Hey, uh, your, your boss is de facto, like, ruining your chance of a raise. Be grateful that he called your ass out. Because a lot of times it's in performance review, like... Yeah, no, so no, it's directly... teachers, really, but mm, Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Um, so the way it works in a lot of companies, and I can't speak for every company, but a lot of times there are certain metrics that you have to like rate everyone on or certain performance KPIs, key performance indicators, whatever. You have to rate them on different things. Yeah. Sometimes it's like an allotment situation of only, you can only give like excellent, you know, grades to this many people in your department or percentage of people in your department, Mm. or you have to, or you can't give anyone a perfect grade. You have to give them one thing to improve or something like that. Mm. So like I've had it where my boss is, like literally told me like, listen, I just like had to give you something to improve on and this is department wide. So like, don't take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) And often they only have a certain percentage or number of people that they can give raises to. So yeah, if you are one of those people that just happened to like fall into that, well, I had to give you a bad grade because I ran out of good grades. Sorry, (laughs) you probably won't get a raise. But why is it a good thing that they're not giving me money? Yeah, that sounds very arbitrary, the way you put it, of like, you know, oh, this is just about money and just about the corporate executives making enough for themselves and all that sort of stuff. The Wall Street Journal has a different story. Of course. This moment in workplaces is all about efficiency and corporate leaders, employees operating at full capacity, trimming costs where they can, they're not fretting if an underperformer walks away. Is this a... Oh, it's actually cool because this is going to make you a better employee and more productive for who? Not for your fucking profits. Or is this a be scared, be grateful for your job? I'm getting more B vibes. I think both. So they, you know, they do plenty of B of like McKinsey, for example, recently put about 3000 staffers on notice with unsatisfactory performance ratings. Later paragraph says you can bounce back from a bad review. And even parlay it into an opportunity to demonstrate your problem-solving powers. 
What's important is to keep your defensive impulses in check and come up with a clear-eyed response plan. Become a corporate slave instead of an unruly employee. Wait, that sorry. last part I added. Okay, I was gonna say. Like, I don't that's, think they wrote that's a translation. Life. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly, truly. Oh my god, this is the equation, guys. Everything got more expensive. Yeah. I feel like it did not get cheaper. Nothing got cheaper. <laughs> Everything got more expensive to make, to produce, to buy all around the board. Yeah. The thing that also went up is profits. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But they're using the true. whole the whole everything got expensive line to say, oh, we can't afford to to keep you or to pay you or to give you raises, etc. So what they're going to try to do instead is say, well, everything's hard for everybody. So we all just have to work harder to still make the bottom line. We're going to be cutting people. We're going to be, you know, giving you more responsibilities, X, Y, Z. So in the same way that as consumers, we're being told hey, maybe skip breakfast. <laughs> you know, this is just the way things are. Mm-hmm. Things are tough right now. They're tough on everybody. They're not. They're not for everybody. It's yeah. the thing. Are, is there's, anyone telling there's Jeff There's a discreet like, group of people who are not doing badly. There's, an, there's, there's a certain amount of private jets you should have. Like, there, there's, right, there's, a, there's a, a certain amount of junkets to Belize that you should take. No one's telling billionaires this. Nope, they are not getting the same speech as you. So, yeah, or to to put the shoe on the on the other foot, no one's telling us, you know, that you. Well, I guess uh, they they're telling the working classes, but they're not telling us as a, as a whole. Like, you should be redistributing huge chunks of your nation's like wealth to the third world, like to to the global south. Like, oh no no we're not doing that either like yeah there's there's a whole nother like there's a whole nother secret level of places where people where rich people buy their things there's a whole nother secret level of where poor people are suffering yeah i don't know i've reached the sweet spot with my corporate career where i can i can smell the shit a mile away oh. <laughs> we're just like okay cool uh you're just gonna give me more work and pretend it's an opportunity got it <laughs> or here's a fellow who's either super good at deflecting it or has no ability to smell the <laughs> shit a mile away. <laughs> Eric Post says he was blindsided a few years ago with a review that said he met but didn't exceed expectations. That's fine. In the months before, the senior customer service manager had been setting, getting FaceTime with top executives at his automotive software company. They were telling him he was doing great things. Great things. He asked his boss... Why, this wasn't enough to be considered an outperformer. He was surprised to learn that despite impressive work at times, he was inconsistent on the more mundane parts of his job, like helping or sharing information he gleaned from clients with his coworkers. And so he, he's like, well, I just, I just kind of let myself rest on those laurels, says Post, now 38 years old. So he's just like, oh, he, you know, he blamed himself. There's a lot of posts going around about how Gen Z doesn't take this shit anymore. And they're like, hey, when I sign off, I'm fucking off. Like, good mm-hmm. for y'all. But if for yeah. some reason you haven't, I don't know, if you've like, if you listen to your parents who tell you to try hard still. <laughs> don't. Try not to. Don't. Because if you, your boss gives you a job to do. They say, hey, do X, Y, Z. And you're like, cool. Uh, I did it. And because I'm a go-getter, I also did, you know, circling the alphabet back to A. 
And they're like, okay, now do BC. Oh, you can do that much? I'm going to give you more work. Like, mm -hmm. they're always going to try to get more work out of you. Things that are often written in job descriptions, the very last task on the job description will be, and other duties. So they can always yeah. say, hey, this falls under your other duties. So mm -hmm. fucking, even if you're like, that's not in my, that's literally not my job, they will just make it your job. So like, play dumb, take so long to do shit. Like, just be bad at your job. Yeah. <laughs> job ever finds this i'm so fired pretend. anyway <laughs> yeah no pretend that things take twice is kind of my upper boundary twice I, I as long twice. as they twice as long as they would and that way when you're done with them you can kind of play with the time in between when you're done with them and when you want to turn them in sit on it baby uh because they're always gonna ask for more and apparently you can use that extra time to uh what was it? inform in share information with your coworkers about your clients or something like this guy got dinged for you can you can spend all your extra time doing that that's the thing they're always going to ask you to do more there's always they're always going to find something for you to quote unquote work on anyway jobs are dumb um and get ready for more dumb get ready for more dumb get ready for more responsibilities you didn't ask for for not enough pay and wait for them to continue to try to disrespect your time and jerk you around. Like that's just what they're there for. That is, you know, not all bosses are mustache twirling evil guys, but that's what they are hired to do is to boss people around and, and get as much work as they can out of them. That's how it goes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And realize that if you're in a lot of jobs, quitting makes it harder for you to collect unemployment benefits. Mm, so make yeah. them fire you. Yeah. Show up, do your job to a minimal capacity till they tell you you can't come in anymore. That's a better way to get that severance pay that we're not really <laughs> contractually <laughs> given. So get yep. it in when you can. Okay. What else we got? Uh, this is very small. Did you see the Chicago rat hole? That was great. <laughs> I didn't look into it at all. I heard about it. <laughs> it's just a what they do. It's just a rat in a cement, like making an imprint in it, and people start putting money in it to cover them up. No, just because it's funny, like a wishing well. Huh. Hilariously, someone got called anti-Semitic for that <laughs> because they're putting coins in a hole shaped like a rat. Ooh, My thought is maybe stupid. it's anti-Semitic to associate Jews with rats immediately. <laughs> yeah, rats and money. Uh, a fake Adolf Hitler account uh, said, <laughs> in response to someone asking, like, well, how is this anti-Semitic fake Adolf Hitler here, said, because rat plus money equals anti-Semitism. Sources, I am Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, they filled it up, though, right? Did they fill it in? I thought they filled it in and people were upset. Oh, no, I didn't know. I hadn't kept up with it. Chicago rat hole. History, hold on. Rat holes brought also attention. Debate over origin hole political reaction. That's great. Following with a hole was partially filled with unknown substance. Post video saying we were shocked and saddened and close to developing the situation. Uh, they restored the hole. Yeah, okay. It got filled briefly in January. I believe they have restored it. Not sure. Unclear on the current fate of the rat hole. Um... Let's talk shit about uh, MTA, the subway system in New York. Okay, what are they doing? Uh, the NYPD spent $150 million to chase down people who couldn't afford to pay the subway fare. 
Oh, Jesus. Were there 150 million of them? Do you want to know how much these people owed in total? $2,600. I mean, it was it was more than that, but they owed $104,000 as a <laughs> total group. Jesus. And so they spent $150 million to go chase them down. Mm-hmm. This could have bought free fares mm-hmm. for 95,000 people. <laughs> That's just that's just maths, guys. Like that's not even politics. That's just a math equation. That's not even math. And it's like <laughs> playing play the city of New York. I invite you to play a city sim. <laughs> All right, play city skylines. Mm-hmm. One of the first things you know, as soon as you like start building your city and start looking stuff up and start looking up guys, is public transit is not a profit making machine. It's operated a loss. To improve your traffic flow. When you get the graphs and you're like, oh, fuck. I like, you know, my all my streets are at like fucking 45% traffic flow because people are trying to go from this area. That, that's what public transit does. It just alleviates <laughs> that. It's a public service. It is a bit of a drain. It's something that it, like you're going to make it up, though. Inefficiency throughout your yeah. city. That's what you can char- you charge for. The amenities of living in this city that is so well appointed and you provide them with the amenities of this lovely public transport system. That's ridiculous to be like, oh, we're going to that's that's the that is the big lie. I think, you know, I do nowadays sort of level more criticism than I did back then when I first encountered them. The uh, Adam Curtis documentaries of like the century of the self and hypernormalization and all these sorts of things that we're like looking at, like, where did America go? <laughs> you know, where did the neoliberal project uh, end up outstripping? You know, he's got this you know, lovely way of putting it right. But 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 the thing I think he gets right is that there is this stripping out of a public good. Uh, when he's talking about the the in hypernormalization, the neoliberal project of, of New York, for example, of the city going bankrupt. And all that is this uh, trend, not just them, but other cities of this privatization of just, you know, and, and trying to turn everything into a business. Yeah. It spirals from there of this like notion of like, it's a, it's gotta be profitable. And then is, so it's like what plagues us with the post office or anything else is like, we can't just decide as a society anymore that we need this thing. Yeah, this is the thing we need to provide to everyone. It costs us collectively less to provide it to everyone than it does to just like leave it up to the market. So we're going to do, we're going to provide it to everyone. And, you know, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to be raking in the dough, but it's going to be doing a thing we want to be done. Because that's the thing with this profitability of public transportation. It's like, if you don't jack up those prices or whatever, like you're, uh, it's it's um people are thinking about like what's the alternative if it doesn't if people don't come to us is it, they're just going to get on cars and shit and clog up your roads mm-hmm. you're gonna take ubers yeah it's it's you've got to provide the service at an affordable price which probably means operate at a loss but like your benefit is you get people out of the places you don't want them out of, off the streets or with health care you know yeah you're probably going to be operating a loss because you're paying more money than you're, you know, in terms of that you're breaking in from people. Sure. But the benefit is your people are alive. Like (laughs) they're alive. They're not reinventing measles 
And, you know, if you're so worried about productivity, healthy people probably do more work. <laughs> they live longer, so there's more working years. Like, it, it is like taking the long way around for all these things they claim to care about because they're like, oh, we'll just we'll just make more people. We'll just like reintroduce trad wife stuff. We'll just, we'll try to like X out feminism. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get more, more babies in here and we'll just go from there. <laughs> it's almost, I don't know, it's kind of sick. It's like the, the real solution is not really even human based. I mean, how anti-human their platform is now. It's, it's essentially just like, they're more Marxist than we are because they, they've essentially read Capital and read the passage where it's like, can we just take money so the first M in the equation, capital, can we just convert it to M prime of like money that we've made money off of? We, we don't, we don't want to fuck with any humans in the middle. Like we, we just want to turn our money into more money by, by magic, you know, by uh, everything is solid melts in the air. We just want to like do that. Can, can we just do that, please? We don't want to have to s- keep anyone alive. We don't want any more social contract. We don't want to best we'll do is like a UBI to like, okay, here's some scraps. But like, really, we just want to keep making as much money as possible for ourselves at the expense of everything and every, every creature, everything on the planet altogether. Like that, that's all it seems like is let's just consume. Let's just maximize. And it doesn't matter what that means in the material reality for real people. No. Yeah. Uh, that is really what it comes down to is it is a complete divorce from the reality of like 99% of humans out there. It's like, I will be fine. And that's it. Yeah. So fuck the MTA, uh, fuck NYPD. Uh, oh, another, another, uh, continuation of their fuckery. Uh, emergency gates at three subway stations will soon take 15 seconds to open, MTA officials announced, as part of an effort to crack down on the, quote, superhighway of fare evasion. You know what works really great in a large city with a ton of traffic is not letting doors open. You know, I can't think of a single event where not letting doors open in New York City specifically caused a mass amount of death. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory? Yeah! What are we doing, guys? We did this one! It's not good! I mean, just, like, read this to a Brit, and they're just like, my God, mate, like, this is what we're talking about with, like, not fair evasion, but still, like, closed obstacles in terms of stadium crushes and shit that they've had. Yeah, that, that soccer one, that was really... I watched a documentary on that. That was fucking nuts. And the Liverpool one, they've had multiple other ones that, that, you know, reform. I mean, that's why they don't have standards anymore. They have all seaters now in their stadiums because of that. Yeah. We learned (laughs) this is what happens when you trap large amounts of people in enclosed spaces. People get physically crushed. It's not a departure. Okay. This is actually sort of them falling into line with the larger trend Um, of urban architecture which is anti-human which is who is the city really for it's for real estate developers it's for investment firms it's for people to make money at the at the very at the smallest end of it you have the small business owner besides that the city is for people to make money in large numbers and so 
Who cares if you have a bench to sit in? Who cares if you have a place to take shelter from subarctic temperatures, what have you? Does not matter. Your comfort as a human is not what we're designing for. Like your safety in terms of like running from an emergency. Who cares about that either? Give us money. Get away. Spaces are increasingly not for us. <laughs> I mean, even like look at houses. If you're shopping for a house right now, God be with you. But yeah. houses aren't built for people to enjoy and say, oh, this is a cool place. It's built to later sell. So everything becomes the same. I've toured so many ugly ass houses with gray wood floors. Well, yeah. Uh, good thing is you can redo a lot of the millennial bullshit. Mm-hmm, the cosmetic shit. But it costs a lot of money still to do that. It does. Yeah. But even I, I think like structurally houses have gotten a lot more boring. I don't know. Structurally. If also TikTok unsafe. is to be believed. <laughs> They have gotten a lot shittier. So I follow a couple accounts that are like house, like new build inspectors. And they're always like up in there being like, yeah, they just, they didn't put any of these things that they're supposed to put to hold these joints up. They were just like shooting these nails through here at random ass angles, not doing, and they're just like, yeah, like I'm not going to pass this thing, but shit, I was just called in by the, buyers that doesn't happen all the time and it's just like people are buying basically sight unseen a lot of times yeah yeah some crap or they go out to the deck and the deck like the stairs coming down from the deck you guys recently did some stuff on we this did right do that. yeah is the deck is like attached to the top of the deck right and it's like on some pillars on the bottom and there's nothing in between like it's just it's just free floating like it's what just the fuck? there <laughs> There's no... That's not supposed to be how these no, are attached. It's not like, how stairs work. And, you know, and, and, and people take this because what? Because this is the best they can afford. Their contractors tell them this is fine. And, and that's the, the kind of cruel thing about capitalism is, yeah, everybody is ripping everyone off at every point. But if you take anyone out and say, you're going to be the hero guy don't be a bad guy and, and be nice. And so they refuse to take part. Someone else is just going to join in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They'll find someone else who, who does it. That's a fucked up thing. And that, and that's the thing I think that becomes the question for all of us is like, where is your, your line where you say I'm out, you know, like I can't opt out of everything. I can't say, okay, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> refuse to pay my taxes and, and, <laughs> and just renounce my American citizenship because I don't mm-hmm. want to send money to Israel, but at the same time, it's like I I recognize that that's wrong, but I also recognize like the limited amount of control I have over it. So you have to like figure out, okay, where where's that line? <laughs> where am yeah. I going? Where am I drawing my own personal lines? Sort of yeah, yeah, and and recognizing that it is just a personal line, and that it's okay, I guess, if we haven't figured that out, and it should be about the larger project. I'll end on a very stupid note. There's two states that are in union that are bringing up the stupid championship. <laughs> no, they're, they're waving the stupid banner together. Okay, great. Uh, one is the great state of Tennessee, and one is the great state of Florida. Florida man Ron DeSantis contributing to this. Of course. Uh, we can start with one or the other, either one. They're of the same vein. All right. Uh, well, Tennessee. 
Tennessee. It's a little smaller scale, I guess, because it's proposed by one Tennessee lawmaker who wants to make all schools honor people who have fallen victim. What do you think they've fallen victim to, these people? Fallen victim to, I don't know, false rape allegations. That's pretty good. Um, But it's not in the ballpark. Um, Okay, what do we got? Fallen victim to communist regimes around the world. <laughs> Man, I wish I could fall victim to communism. <laughs> I wish someone would victimize me with communism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Senator Frank Nicely, Republican of Strawberry Plains. Strawberry Plains, like, that's like off-brand Beatles, eh? Yeah, Strawberry Plains sometimes. in Tennessee. Is <laughs> Strawberry Plains sometimes, version. not forever. <laughs> Uh, filed a bill that required all local education agencies and public charter schools to recognize November 7th each year as Victims of Communism Day. Wow. Isn't it like November 7th? I thought that was Veterans Day. Or is that 6th? Dude, that would be wild if that was October Revolution Day. Oh, fuck. That is October. It, it, <laughs> it is literally October Revolution Day. Because, wow. yeah, the Gregorian calendar situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, that's the day of the October. Wow. What the fuck? Oh, fuck this guy. Like, what a fucking asshole. What a loser. Require all those schools to supply at least 45 minutes worth of instruction on the day in world history and and geography course. 45 minutes. Now, I wonder if you choose to use that 45 minutes in a more positive way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, we're teaching the Bolshevik Revolution today. (laughs) Seems uh, pretty cool, yeah? Maybe you guys want to do it? Okay. Just just for thought. <laughs> the bill references the Bolshevik Revolution and states the teachings of Karl Marx have, Ooh. quote, proven incompatible with the ideals of liberty, prosperity, and dignity of human life, and given rise to dictators such as Joseph Stalin, Vladimir Lenin, Mao Zedong, and Pol Pot. One of these, One of these things is, definitely... is not like the other. No, I don't... <laughs> Come on, guys. Fucking Pol Pot. I feel like we spent the whole episode shitting on that asshole for being CIA connected and everything else. We're like, that guy's not a communist. It also states, quote, communist regimes worldwide have killed more than blank. How many people? Uh, They're probably going to say 45 million. 100 million people. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to come up with a really big number. <laughs> Not and big subjugated enough. countless others oh to exploitation God. and unspeakable atrocities and provided, quote, false promises of equality and liberation, as opposed to you being like real promises of slavery and degradation. Some of the topics that would be required teaching for the victims of communism day would include Mao Zedong and the Cultural Revolution. I would like for you to honestly teach the kids about Mao Zedong and the Cultural Revolution. That'd be great if you did that. Joseph Stalin and the Soviet system. Again, do that. Like, teach him. He did some good things. He did some bad things. Teach him both. Yeah. Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution. Teach him the whole fucking thing. Like, I think we need to start marketing our podcast to Tennessee public school systems. (laughs) We need to rebrand <laughs> as the Victims of Communism Day podcast. Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. I mean, that one's going to turn them off if you yeah. advertise that one as mainly communism. 
That one's not great. In the Nicolas Maduro and the Chavismo movement, we have not touched upon this as a show, but I think broadly speaking, the the Chavismo movement or Nessus or the like uh, the Bolivarian revolution of Hugo Chavez and then Maduro as a successor to that, I think you could say, yeah, teach him that as well. That's going to be good. Like they they will like that. But Tennessee, you're biting out more than you can chew. If you're asking your teachers to honestly research this. You know, honestly, if they research this, you might see an uptick in teacher teacher union unions. Hell yeah, activism there. They're like, holy shit, what? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing. So they're doing that in Florida. Meanwhile, Florida man Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. what's this guy up to? Um, is probably going to sign into law bill that went through the Florida House House Bill thirteen forty nine would. According to the Guardian, uh, balance learning their ABCs with lectures on the history of communism would also create a history of communism task force. If you're learning your ABCs, how young are they doing this? Uh, that was saying kindergartners, but I think it starts at first grade. But um, um, that's still pretty young. Uh, a history of communism task force, handpicked by the Republican governor Ron DeSantis. To recommend how the subject is presented in classrooms from elementary to high school, starting in 2026. Wow. Uh, This makes me want to ask my seven-year-old nephew if he even knows what communism means and what he has (laughs) absorbed so far. Oh, and you can give him the uh, Trumbo communism test. Mm, Yeah, yeah. You're a dirty red. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, We'll see. No, so, you know, DeSantis has been trying to dismantle Florida public universities and stuff and going after anyone who's, you know, to the right of Attila the Hun or to the left of Attila the Hun, rather. And uh, this is kind of the next step uh, to take down the liberal elites. He also, (laughs) oh, two years ago, he also signed into law a bill of the, an annual Victims of Communism Day. He ba- I think he did the same. This article says making at least 45 minutes of instruction on the subject. Okay, so Tennessee graduate. just looked at that and was like, we want that. We, we would like to do the Florida thing. I guess I misattributed this as uniquely Tennessean. That's not true. Apparently it is um, Floridian. But anyway, Tennessee dumbasses for following it. Like, yeah, come on. What the fuck, guys? Yeah. Tennesseans. You guys are good, but your government, like, look, look at these fuckers. Listen, I get it. I'm from Texas. Yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> Those fuckers aren't me. <laughs> yeah. Those fuckers are assholes. So the new bill introduced by Republican state congressman, friend of the show, Robert Brannon, and James Buchanan, I assume named after President James Buchanan, would introduce required curriculum about communism for the first time below seventh grade since... <laughs> Previously, your six and below graders are safe. Now, here they come. Uh, which is funny because it's like, oh, they're trying to indoctrinate your kids and now we're going to teach them about communism sooner. Like, what? Yeah, which, who's indoctrinating here? Like, let me just <laughs> check my notes real quick. <laughs> your require students uh. as young as five to learn about, quote, atrocities committed in foreign countries under the guidance of communism, the philosophy and the lineages of communist thought, including cultural Marxism and 
the increasing threat of communism in the U.S. and to our allies through the 20th century. So, like, not only, oh, look at those bad communists throughout history. They've been always ruining things, but they're out to get you now. It's like Red Scare, but, like, let's teach them that the Red Scare was, like, a real thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not a parent yet, right? Like, I, I'm mm-hmm. hoping to be one one day, but uh, I don't know if you should be telling a five-year-old about any atrocities. I just don't know if you want to scare the shit out of them like that yet. You don't think they're ready for the killing fields? I don't think they're ready for the fucking atom bomb. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, I I just think in general, you're kind of still trying to teach them that, you know, things are going to be okay and you're secure and safe in your home life. Like, hopefully, I mean, obviously not every kid has that privilege, but Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you want to introduce the idea of atrocities. (laughs) It's not helpful for the psyche, really, to be introducing that. I mean, like, you know, later... They're going to have to eventually come to grips in a mature way of saying, you know, war of any sort or or brutal police actions or whatever of any sort are going to be destructive and ruinous to human life. You know, they got to come up with these conclusions or something, but maybe not when they're five. I don't think they can understand it then. Uh, a couple more quick facts. One, I found out recently that Gloria Steinem worked for the CIA at one point. Wow. So there's that. <laughs> what did she do? She worked with the CIA-backed Independent Research Service, and she also apparently worked as an agent when this was taking place. Um, so, yeah, she just did that, so that's cool. Boo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another fun fact, uh, I follow a great site or a great account called uh, Depths of Wikipedia. It's really good, and... Uh, a really fun one I found on that account was Andrew Johnson's drunk vice presidential inaugural address. Have you heard of this thing? Yes. <laughs> this guy was sloppy drunk. Oh, my God. Everyone was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, pull it up because I don't remember the details. I just remember that he was drunk for that. He was also drunk for later on when he was running for president in his own right for his circle around the wagon store. He would pretty much all the time be hammered as he went out there and be like, come on, vote for me, Andrew Johnson. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, I'm going to read the transcript here. <laughs> Fell Sissons. It, it's, it's an unintelligible. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to try to do this. Uh, we'll uh, just check this out at the Wikipedia page. It's incredible. Uh, it's just constantly hiccuping, just fucked up. Uh, cannot get through, not even a sentence, but like two words. So really good. Um, there was a great Lincoln quote too about it of like, let me see. Lincoln simply said, it has been a severe lesson for Andy, but I do not think he will do it again. <laughs> oh, damn. Is that my bro was hungover as fuck? Oh, I'm my so gosh. Proud. Yeah, no. He he was fucked up. 
Fair citizens, this most special moment of my existence. Oh, you're much better at this. I may say, Vame. Ah, uh, if now I'm married to swear, allegiance told. Is that supposed to be Abe? Abe. For like Abe Lincoln? Told Abe. Told Abe Lincoln, my constitution. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be concession. The constitution is a stringed instrument? <laughs> Anyway, it's a disaster. It's just a fucking train wreck. This guy had a problem. But mm-hmm. if you want to, like, try to your hand at interpreting this this drunk message, it is entertaining. Uh, good thing that he was not the first one in charge, but it was old Dabe's that was. <laughs> <laughs> I trust Dabe. Trust Dabe with my life. Uh, so, better Dabe than Andrew Johnson. Listen, he was vice president, though. Maybe maybe we need to bring back the unintelligible inaugural speech. It sounds like we're going to, given our current situation. Kamala will certainly be unintelligible if she's, she's allowed always, to speech. <laughs> she is just on rants. It's, she is on some stuff. I hope you all enjoyed our quilt today. His lovely quilt. As always, remember... The many victims of communism who went on to (laughs) reach space before anyone else did, who went on to leap their countries from poverty into industrialism. Beat the Nazis? To defeat, yeah, to defeat the Nazi menace, uh, to outlaw racism in their country, uh, to quickly, even by the CIA's estimation, like get up to up to to surpass our calorie and take and everything back when that was like a thing that we were trying to do as opposed to like <laughs> the opposite now provide massive housing amounts like eliminate homelessness eliminate unemployment like you're, you're, you're seriously i mean like if you're listening in san francisco if you're listening in new york if you're listening in any major american city i mean like homelessness is a huge deal and 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 housing scarcity to the to a greater extent planning socially planning your housing when when Ron DeSantis is trying to teach Floridian kids you know basic math and how many gajillions of people communism killed like maybe that's worked into the math yeah that's got to be <laughs> Stalin killed this if Stalin puts this many people on a gulag heading for Siberia how long will it take for them to all be exterminated and one kid's like, well, how many escaped on the train out that way? <laughs> there are 10 stops. <laughs> <laughs> so at least 20. Yeah, escaped. probably a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's the thing to be asking yourself because there's a challenge, you know, and your relatives. I mean, like, I don't think you, but like, I think your relatives will be like, oh, yeah, you know, they're bad. Anyone can tell that DeSantis is bad and Trump is bad and what, and Biden is bad. You know, they can do that, but they won't be willing to take that next step and say communism is okay. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people will not be able to say that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a really weird line even among progressives and liberals where they say, no, 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 that's too much. But that's when you got to be well-versed enough. You got to be, you know... Not just listening to our backstory of this, it's probably a good, you know, backlog. Our backlog is a good starting point, but like, you know, reading and 
figuring out like, uh, you know, the details of this shit. So then you can be encyclopedic enough to when they're like, no, but like, come on, doesn't communism mean you're not free at all. And you have to all live in like a one big barracks together. And you can be like, well, actually not at all. Like, here's what it means. It was purposefully stopped and sabotaged and destroyed in pretty much every instance that it was attempted. And then it was purposefully propagandized as evil. So the narrative we are fed is we tried that. It didn't work. Our narrative is maybe not. (laughs) Uh, and, 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 And we've had just within this country, this is not talking about all the anti communist, you know, purges and everything that go on in other countries. And, and the joke of like, yeah, communism's never worked in any country, you know, somehow or another, it cannot, for some reason, survive CIA coups and all this <laughs> Weird. other shit, right? Somehow it ends up being naturally toppled by the CIA and the various <laughs> forces. Uh, but even within this country, which has never seen a communist revolution or anything of the sort, uh, we have had not one, but two red scares, like, Mass paranoia campaigns, what you would in any other country call a white scare, a white purge, all right? Like like we, we call the red terror and everything. What in any other country you would not call a white terror because they're not literally executing people, but still, some sort of a purge, that's what they were doing. I know, and then you want to stand by and say, like, why are not more people more communists, more socialists? Because it's driven out of us at a young age and... I, I, I don't know. To their credit, I think that Florida and Tennessee realize that the benefit of having indoctrinated kids against communism to the extent that they have, and they want to just build on that, you know? You know, I think they're assholes, and I think they're stupid to some extent, their leadership, I should say, and not their people, because I love me some Floridians and Tennesseans. But, yeah, the these fucking elected assholes, you know, Stupid, but not that stupid. <laughs> yeah, they get how it works. Get them young. Get them down the fucking honestly fascist pipeline that is the American public school system. I try to save a few here and there. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing what you can, eh? Yeah. All right, kids. I'm tired. Let's, let's be done with this. Next week, we are doing a movie night. We're getting silly with it, and we're going to watch Red Dawn, the original Looks like it's available on HBO Max, and I'm sure you can find it elsewhere on the great big internet of things. <laughs> yeah. Remember, if um, ownership of digital media does not literally <laughs> in, mean ownership of it, you know, entitlement to it completely, then piracy does not mean complete theft of it either. Sounds like you can just take it whenever. <laughs> if no they can one take really it from owns you. it. You can take it from them. Uh, yeah, so Red Dawn, we're going to be preparing for that infamous uh, victims of communism that Tennessee <laughs> and Florida are so worried about. We'll see just how many victims we can rack up while we're invading the great U.S. of A. in Red Dawn. Looking forward to it. <laughs> in this, who's in this? Is that Patrick Swayze? That's Patrick fucking Fuck Swayze. yeah. Wow. Anti-comrade. Damn, he was yeah. a baby. And though. Charlie Sheen is in this. Charlie Sheen. Wow. Okay. We will report back from the front of the new war. Adios. Bye. Bye.
Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.